Hi, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hi, everybody. Aggies near and far. Hi, everyone. This is Caden Emery, the production officer here at Aggies Near and Far. Coming up in this episode, we've got an interview with Dr. Samuel Sandoval. He's a professor here at UC Davis who specializes in water management. And we had a conversation about his experiences with tuition-free higher education in Mexico and in the United States and the accessibility overall of higher education in the United States. It's a really interesting conversation coming up. Before that, I just wanted to play you guys a collection of clips that I collected at our table when we were tabling on picnic day. I just talked to a bunch of faculty, students, uh, Davis residents about global education here on campus and what that looks like to them, and I'd love to play that for you guys now, and then we'll transition right into our interview with Dr. Sandoval. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Awesome. I'm here with Kate on campus. Kate, would you like to speak on what global education looks like to you on campus? Global education is partnerships to find kind of best practices because we are not the only ones doing amazing things across the world. So we have to partner with others so we know exactly how we can bring the best education to our students. I'm here with Alejandra on campus. Alejandra, would you like to speak on global education, study abroad, and its accessibility? Yeah, I'm going to Cuba in the summer, and uh, I'm just really grateful for having the ability to go uh, to a place that usually most Americans don't ever get to visit in their lifetimes and experience a different culture and a different way of life uh, and see that the world is a much larger place than we make it out to be. I'm here with Faith on campus. Faith, would you like to speak to global education, study abroad, or its accessibility? Yeah, of course. Um, I think, I just think the opportunity to be able to get study, to be able to go study abroad is really important, especially like like myself or people who don't really have the opportunity to like go out. I think it's really cool that, you know, you get the opportunity to go out, learn more about different places. Um, coming from like a big city, it was really nice to come to Davis where there's, you know, trees, less of that big city. Awesome. I'm here with Julian on campus. Julian, what does global education look like to you at UC Davis? At UC Davis, global education, like what it looks like to me is more of like a holistic view of, you know, like multicultural, like education wise. Um, just seeing different perspectives into different cultures and how that can correlate to the different things we're learning, you know, in our own lives, you know, and how we compare it to other people's lives and other people's backgrounds. Hi, my name is Sophie. I'm a third year here at UC Davis. And to me, global education looks like having citizens from all over the world come here, um, being able to study abroad um, at other great institutions, and just being a fully rounded Aggie. All right, I'm here with Marlena on campus. Marlena, do you like to speak to global education and its accessibility? Yes, so global education to me is just making studying abroad um, more accessible for people so that they have the ability to learn um, new things and have new experiences. I'm here with Greg on campus. Greg, would you like to speak to global education, its accessibility on campus, and what that looks like to you? Absolutely. Well, thanks for the opportunity being, I think it's like the second day after Earth Day, which is really, really cool. And, uh, you know, the sustainability, the ESG, everything that's going on right now is, is super positive because we got to take care of the planet. You know, I, I'm an older dude. I've been around for a long time. If we don't start paying attention to what's happening, you know, there's going to be some, some real tough ramifications. But, you know, I'm from California, born and raised. My family came here in 1829. It's just really cool to see, 
you know, the recycling and the composting and just, just the real attention that's happening now to, to that kind of stuff. Sustainability is a huge deal. It's going to become more popular. It, it, it's actually becoming absolutely more mainstream. And so it's, it, it's getting to the point where it's not going to be optional anymore. And so that's super encouraging. And here, at, you know, on campus here at Davis, you know, I'm a, I'm a UC Davis dad. So my son, you know, goes to school here. So th- this, this campus, you know, is, is, is way ahead of a lot of campuses that I've been on. So that's super encouraging. The fact that it's here, you know, in Davis, in the Central Valley, is, uh, you know, kind of the epicenter for obviously agriculture, horticulture, and just, just being good stewards of, of, of the planet. So it's, uh, it's pretty awesome to see, you know, kind of what's going on. And, and you guys are, like I said, far ahead on the cutting edge. And just, just, just keep evangelizing out there because, you know, it's, it's, it's going to get some traction. Hi, everyone. My name is Caden Emery, and I'm the production officer at, here at Aggies Near and Far. And today I'm joined by Dr. Samuel Sandoval. He is an associate professor here at UC Davis, and he's also a cooperative extension specialist in water management. He received both his BS in civil engineering and his master's in hydraulics from the Instituto Politecnico Nacional. And he received a PhD in environmental and water resources after that at the University of Texas at Austin. Dr. Sandoval, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Glad to be here. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about publicly funded higher education. So you received both your BS and your master's at uh, IPN near Mexico City. So could you tell me a little bit about your time there and about how the uh, institution's publicly funded structure played a role in your education and how that role changed as you were there over time? So, um, Kaden, I was there. Actually, I entered the IPN, the Instituto Politecnico Nacional System, since I was in high school. So they have associated high schools. And then I entered pretty much after middle school to their high schools. And then went high school, bachelor, and master's. And the cost at that point, it was around, I would say, 6 to $8. And I think later, as I was progressing, went all the way up to $30 per semester. Yeah, it played an important role because basically, I mean, going to the point, that was for me the latter, the way to move up in the social, well, move economically. I come from a middle, lower middle income family, and there was no other way. My, my way to start climbing the economic ladder was through education. So it really played an important role in having education that was accessible, affordable, Ultimately, I was able to get a scholarship to go to UT and then the place where I am. So play a significant role. Education was my way to move up the ladder. Did education, uh, that sort of ladder climbing, was that uh, a common occurrence in uh, the community you came from? Where, uh, or were you like an exception? It is, a, I will say that is common, but it is not without the effort. Mm-hmm. So... When we talked about public education, we also talked about a very affordable, public and affordable education. Mm-hmm. And people that it is very competitive to get to some of these spots. But once you get there, the professors that are there, they will, they will not hesitate to uh, fail you in a class. When I was in, in my bachelor's, 
I think only half of my cohort finished the bachelor's. So it is extremely competitive once also you're there. But I could see that many of my classmates that finish from rural towns in different states, now they had um, a bachelor's degree that they could use. And in many times it actually helped them out to have a good quality of life. So it is not that it will secure you a good or a, an increase in your economic position, but if you finish, it is, a, it is very likely. It is, it is very high quality education. And in fact, the public and affordable schools have improved education. They provide a better education than private schools. And that is because again, you have all these people and all these uh, professors are very passionate about what they do there. So they typically try to keep it back. And that's why they will provide good education for the other ones. So it's almost as if the, the publicly funded structure creates almost an incentive to be more academically competitive with your peers. That is correct. It is, it is correct. It just provides this, um, in some cases, not necessarily a challenge, but you figure out very early in your uh, academic career that you better pick up, pick up the pace because otherwise they're going to kick you out and there is a hundred or some other students wanted to get to your spot. Definitely. And that's how you just kind of keep it going. People from all over the states in Mexico, they go there to have education. And that is, there can be three or four very good schools that are top rank. So I, I think it is, it is a good system. And you yeah. said you received a scholarship then to UT. How would you describe the transition to studying at uh, UT at Austin? So even though it's a public university, um, what stood out to you about its role as a public institution uh, in contrast to IPN? I, I would never be able to afford going to UT without a scholarship. Mm -hmm. I was, I mean, it was at that point... If I remember correctly, it was about between my stipend and the tuition and so on. This is 2006, 2011, mm -hmm. about $30,000, $33,000 per year in between tuition. So I received tuition and, and a stipend on almost $1,200 per month. So that was my stipend. Uh, the scholarship also pay for the tuition. I find out that it is very expensive to go to a school here and that the uh, people get in, in debt uh, to, to go to a school. And to me, that was, that was eye-opening. So moving a little bit uh, back. Mm -hmm. So I used to work and I used to go to college at the same time. So I was always working and studying. Mm -hmm. And that was just to, to have some money on my pocket. Mm -hmm. I could not have done that at, at UT because it was very expensive. Even though if I would have been working, I wouldn't could keep the pace of uh, paying my life my, and stipend and then the, the tuition. The education, I, I can tell you that the education at the graduate level is superior, is improved here in the United States. And that is because students from all over the world come to study here. Uh, the smartest and the brightest come. And all of a sudden, I found myself in a room with me not being, not the smartest, not the third smartest, mm. but really an average smart people that 
Uh, I saw other ones, and mm -hmm. and to be sincere, that was a, a shock. I was able to overcome that. Nonetheless, uh, the adjustment, the adjustment to the to the culture, also here. So you know, here is more on your shoulders how to do your work. In Mexico, uh, professors will derive equations. Professors will show you how to do exercises. Professors, mm -hmm. it's it's a little bit more. A specific guided and here is like okay we saw this powerpoint uh read your book uh, solve problems so and so and so and mm. off you go so i don't know that was that was a different also story a bit more autonomous i see did you find that did you find that um the same sort of level of uh, academic competitiveness was still around at the graduate level yeah definitely Definitely. Now, the, the main difference is that now I was in the middle of the pack, not in mm. front of the pack. <laughs> so, no, really. And and it is super competitive. You know, I, I thought at that time I would never be the best on every class that I took because they are different specialties. Mm -hmm. However, what I found out is that, number one, I wanted to be not the best, but one of the best on, on the things that I that I was doing research, which it was water between Mexico and the United States, and that I want to improve upon myself. By the second year, I realized that the only one thing that I could ask myself is to look back on the year before and say, like, hey, am I have I improved on my technical skills? Have I improved? Because I just, if I just keep looking to the right or to the left, people were smarter than me. <laughs> and I had to, no, and I had to live with that saying like, you know, you can be super uh, smart in fluid mechanics, or you can be very smart on a uh, water quality. And that is fine. And I can learn from them. But I, I decided to be in, in, in that position. It is very competitive. Uh, I, I mentioned this because a lot of our students sometimes they have the imposter syndrome mm -hmm. and I did have it it is important to know that if we have half of the confidence that our parents have on us we will be way better not not even the full Absolutely. amount just half of it it will be competitive we have to measure against ourselves if you measure against others and you're gonna be a poor copy of others that's an interesting point you bring up about imposter syndrome. Did you did you find that to be more prevalent in your undergraduate, master's, or graduate level, or does it feel more uh, prominent today among uh, students these days, or was it as common uh, when you were studying? No, it it, it is common. Um, mm -hmm. it, it 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 never gets old. So let mm -hmm. me let me be sincere. We're asking our students when they are 17, 18 years old to pick up a major that can define the first part of their next 15, 10 year uh, life, immediate 10 year, 15 year life, professional life. That to me, I mean, you're 18 years old, 17 years old. Yeah. And then and then people start figuring out, or students figuring out what they want. It is good to change. Something that I mentioned is that it's good to know what you like as much as what you don't like. Mm -hmm. If there are things that you don't like, 
that's good. So you know that that is, that is the part that you should not focus. I think students should explore more on their bachelor's different subdisciplines. I find out that you can be very attracted to a given subdiscipline in your field. However, you might not be, a, you don't have the abilities, you don't have the instinct. And I found out that if you find the uh, tasks that you are good, at, that you enjoy, then you need to start fostering those. I, I start working as a land surveyor. I did a supervision of highways. I went to do, um, I was in a soil lab. I did the design of concrete structures, design of foundations. And in many of those things, I was good, but I didn't want it. Land surveying, I saw myself doing all the measurements along the streets. I was very good. I didn't want to be all my career under the sun. And after being like three months under the sun, I realized like, I'm very good. Foundations, the same. I really want it. I wasn't, I was very slow in doing that. So the last year of my bachelor's, I found, I found the, that there was a career in water-related issues. And then I start getting passionate. And at that point, I decided that the next steps will be try to take some internships, some uh, paid unpaid jobs and so on related with water. And that's how I start moving in this in this uh, career that three, four years later, and I have the resume to to get a scholarship to to do my Ph.D. I, I think it's interesting you bring up uh, focusing on what you're passionate about, because I find sometimes here at Davis, I'll hear about experiences where um, not devising your academic plan soon enough can kind of lead you to take a bunch of lower division classes that you're not really interested in, but like you're still there and, and you're putting in some effort, but it's not really the thing you're passionate about. And I was wondering if you found that going to a university where uh, the tuition is is at the very least affordable uh, offers kind of an incentive to either get through quicker or take more classes that about things you maybe didn't know you'd be interested in or sort of like hobby horse, as they so, say. You, you know what? Um, so we didn't have the, uh, the luxury to choose our classes. It was mm. already a program. I, see. I used to take six to seven classes per semester. So it was a boatload. I've, mm -hmm. I remember being working, doing homeworks and going to classes and it was heavy. And that provides us, I, I'm I, in civil engineering, I'm a little bit of a generalist. So I know all the different branches, mm -hmm. but I knew them very shallow. And the one that at the end I decided to, uh, to know it a little bit deeper was water. I do think that like what we're doing, talk with graduate students, uh, professors, uh, shadow a, a given professional, and that can help you out to see things that you may want, things that you may don't want, things that you might be passionate or interest, and finding that thing that you're good and that you're passionate. Mm -hmm. um, I've, uh, I find out that uh, get exposed. I, I wasn't exposed to water until, I mean, the 11th hour of my, of my major, mm -hmm. but it, it wasn't late. 
once I knew that I wanted, then I said like, okay, mm-hmm. this is where I really want to be. And then I start focusing. It, it is never too late. Absolutely. What kinds of opportunities I'd like to switch into more generally about uh, publicly funded tuition questions. So what kind of opportunities do you see, uh, if any, to reconfigure uh, public institutions here in the U.S. towards a more affordable tuition structure? Is such a thing like possible at this point, do you think? You know, <clears throat> it is possible. We, we as a society, so the government is a reflection of us, the, the population that is governed. The government is nothing, is not something that is outside of us. It's, it's a reflection of us. We as a society have decided to invest quite a lot in military defense. And some of that, if, if, if it can be rerouted towards education, taxing the rich, I'm, I'm not against any rich people. Mm-hmm. I, I, what I'm against is that I pay my taxes at a given level and I'm very happy. Kaden, where I come from, uh, we pay about the same amount of percentage of the salary mm-hmm. and things don't look the same like they look here. Mm-hmm. So here we're doing something good and I have no problem paying taxes. What I want to say is that with uh, some of this taxing or taxing some of the wealthy, the uh, military defense, this can be possible. If as a society, we come up with the agreement that investing in our 18 to 22 years old, 25 years old young adults to prepare them for a career, it is something that as a society we value and I strongly believe on that, we should do it. That is, that is at that higher level. It is not impossible, and it should not be a privilege. Let me tell you something that I always struggle on my classes. Please. I gave a class, ESM 121, Water Science and Management, Mm -hmm. and I teach students how to uh, develop a water plan. Uh, And they use certain tools and so on. By the end of the quarter, they have a lot of things that they can put in their CV. And many, many times I've seen students that they come back, hey, I got a job on this, or hey, you know, I, which to me is, is very happy. The, the, the problem is that people that were able to have access to UC Davis, that it can be privileged or not, but it is a selected group. Hmm. I'm giving them education that is further advancing them, which I think is also good, but we're leaving behind people from other colleges that it's not that they are not as smart, they just didn't have the opportunity. And all of a sudden, the people that already have a a leg up and giving them two legs up. And and I mentioned to the class, like, you know, we that's why all my materials are online available. That comes with my public uh, education. Have it available for everyone to do it because we have water problems. We have more water problems that all of us can can uh, solve. Mm-hmm. Need to to spread the the gospel or the word on on having that accessible for everyone because yeah. all of a sudden we are just putting some of the people with uh, that had the privilege to come to UC now ahead. That 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 I struggle. To be sincere, I struggle. 
I 100% agree. I I totally um, empathize with uh, the, the 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 desire to have a society that invests in its people. Fundamentally, I think how you do that is investing in public education, like you said, with the means that you just laid out. And it is, we're investing in our people to move up economically, to mm-hmm. have professionals very well-founded. It was my escape. It was my, my way to move up the ladder. That, that is very clear for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we as a society should invest on that. Who do you think would benefit most from a continued successful effort to make public higher education more accessible and affordable? Because it obviously wouldn't just be students. It would be the society no, at large. No, everyone. It is the yeah. society at large. It really is. It, it truly is. So it's, it's not only about the knowledge, but the formation and also the network interactions. Mm-hmm. A, a school is not just only sit uh, and the uh, experiences. So the knowledge, you put it on your CV, the way of doing teamwork and networking, it is part of your formation as a young adult, respect, uh, inclusion, uh, recognizing different voices, being able to have this type of discussions, it is important. It is extremely important because later as you are an adult, we might agree or disagree, but we find a way to um, to communicate. Here in at, at the university, you very soon also figure out your responsibilities and you start becoming independent. Those are characteristics that it is not necessary. Sometimes all of it is, is the knowledge that the student get here, is the experience and the formation and that we're forming good citizens. Mm-hmm. that that will benefit the entire society exactly and i think that that process of of attempting to make the information more accessible and and just trying to engage people more with this sort of academic material will kind of in turn i think uh getting that information out there i feel like that creates the process of making a society like you said that's more socially and politically engaged and one that actually embodies like you said that the government is within us it is representative of us and so just getting this information out there i feel like would is key to making a society that is more socially engaged and more passionate about expanding this kind of access and that is i also mentioned this we i have very few power in my hands to be to be sincere but one of the very few things that I can do is to provide high quality materials to develop a course that it will be of high quality and accessible to everyone. I can complain now about education. We, we can now discuss about education, but on the very few things in my small corner where I can talk, where I can show that it is, it is about water, but it is also about interactions and so on. I do it. I, I really do it because I don't think education is something that is at large. If each of us start within our own corners, it can be possible. It is possible to change. And then just one final question before we wrap up here. Is the future of expanding global education public or private? I think we've established this, <laughs> but let me let me get <laughs> your take on this globally, of course, not just in the United States. I hope so. I, I truly hope so. It is one way of uh, providing the means for 
young adults who who want to who are uh, interested in in furthering their education we should make it available if you talk with some of your older adults they will tell you well you know i used to pay a uh, 200 when i went to uc i know how much you are paying and to be sincere it will be like yes but you know it is a reflection of us how we should not be proud yes. of it. We should be saying like, okay, see, there is something wrong. Mm-hmm. Because in your case that you have gone or you have done with your bachelor's and furthered your career as much as you could, it was possible to afford, to be affordable. And right now, I'm not sure if all the students realize if all the college students being at, at a university someone is working for you to be there. And it had been your parents that that set aside money for that, or it is you that you are banking on your work in the future to pay for what you are doing. And and that to me, it is really mind boggling because it has to be, each of us should have the opportunity to, to, to go to the university. To me, it is have the opportunity. The university is not for everyone. And there are different types of smartness to be smart there are vocational schools that are also very good for people that are more into the arts into the uh, physical sports into some of the more manual uh, things and it is it is a decent job and and you can get a good life as getting a a, a major i i do think that it should be it, it should be a as we have a human right to to water, to have uh, access to the environment. It should be a human right to have access to education. We should not be discussing this. It's, each individual may have their opportunities. I I just don't see how, how we're not valuing it or giving it the way that, that it is supposed to have. Absolutely. It's a, it's a basic dignity. Like you said, it's the, it's the one guarantor of being able to economically advance 100%. Yep. 100%. Yeah. Dr. Sandoval, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been a really engaging discussion and I had a, I had a great time discussing. Yeah, same here, Kate. And, and to all the audience, same. keep it going. Look for what you're passionate. Uh, find out also if you're good at it and then don't give up. Uh, things will pay out. Um, don't stop exploring. Explore. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you all enjoyed this episode of Aggies Near and Far a podcast dedicated to fostering global education for all at UC Davis. The information contained in this podcast represents the views and opinions of the original creators and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of the Aggies Near and Far organization. We are always looking for students interested in furthering our mission to foster global education for all at UCD. If you are a student who has studied abroad, a student from another country, or are just interested in intercultural exchange, we'd love for you to share your ideas for episodes with us. We're especially looking for students excited about sharing their experiences, conducting interviews, and illustrating their respective cultural events and significance. If you'd like to join our mission or just know a bit more about us, you can look us up as Aggies Near and Far on UC Davis Aggie Life, Facebook, or Instagram, or send us an email at aggies.near.far at gmail.com. This episode and others can be found on our Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher.